This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Start of week three of spring football 2021's practice today on the East Field. Another just really nice day out uh, in Seattle for those out of town. Not as warm as it has been. You know, when practice starts at uh, 8.30, the water, uh, the wind coming off the water gets a little bit of a chill, but we were able to take some layers off by the end of practice. And, you know, what? for those who don't know, practice starts at 8.30 on uh, the weekdays and and then on Saturdays, it's uh, 10.30, and they practice for two hours. So um, it's just pretty much shells today, um, you know, just uh, not a lot of contact out there. But um, some guys who weren't there probably led, you know, still no sighting of uh, ZTF. Nope. Don't know. Don't have any sort of ideas of what's going on with him. Probably won't. We get, to ch- we get a chance to talk to Coach Lake on Wednesday. Uh, doubt he'll probably say much unless it's a – you know, season-ending type thing, which, I mean, you know, knock on wood, Hopefully you know, that, that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, for the most part, I saw some guys on bikes during 11-on-11 session. Richard Newton was getting uh, warmed up, Vic Kern, Alex Cook. Um, you know, so, you know, Newton was kind of the odd man out in the running back group today. Um, still got a lot of turns for for a lot of those other guys, especially in the team session. I didn't see Sam session. Adams again, or maybe I um, missed Adams it. was around. Oh, he was. He was definitely okay. there. I missed it. Yeah, he was definitely there. Mickey Ayu. Mickey Ayu was not there. there. Anybody else missing? Um, the the two tight ends that have not really done anything so far this spring in Mason West, Jack Westover, um, or around either. Yeah, and just we're letting you guys know this stuff more for informational purposes and you know, reading things into it other than ZTF, you know, who uh, looked like he rolled his ankle or his knee, you know, it's just not a lot to read into it. And just like Richard Newton with the two false positive COVID tests. So, you know, with Mickey Ayu, you know, when we last saw him, he looked fine, but there could be some other stuff, but we just don't know. And if there's anything up, Jimmy will address it on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, so. and, and these guys have a plan, Kim, because, you know, for instance, you know, he had a pretty severe knee injury in high school and, you know, he came in early um, to be able to try to take care of it. Now, you know, it's a couple of years removed from that, so you'd hope that there wasn't any residual stuff, uh, any stuff that he may be dealing with, but they may have still had a, a plan for him to be limited this spring um, just to make sure that he was 100%. So there could have been that, could have been a false positive. Um, you know, Ryan Bowman, for instance, wasn't available for Saturday's scrimmage for for some reason, but he was fine today, fine today and rolling around like he hadn't missed anything. So, you know, again, like Jimmy said, at the beginning of, of spring, guys are going to miss practices for whatever reason. It might even be a class. It might even be something like that. It might even be school-related, funny enough. So, yeah, I, again, I agree 100%, Kim. You, it's just not something you really want to read too much into. Yeah, sometimes we hesitate, you know, because we know we put that stuff out there. And, you know, 
Worry work. People yeah. just go well, off the deep end and think the worst case scenario, which isn't always the yeah. case. Yeah, and like Gard Memelar was back going full speed today. Um, I know he had missed the last couple ones before that. So, you know, guys are going to come in and out for whatever reason. If they're a little dinged up, what have you. ZTF is the only one where it's kind of like understood. He's hurt. Something happened. We just don't know the extent of it. Um, he, and, and to be honest, I think the, the only thing we can probably read into it is regardless of how severe it is, he's probably done for spring. I mean, there's just no reason for him to run out in spring. I mean, he's not going to win spring. When they plan practices, sometimes the plan of the day is to stress the offense. Sometimes it's to stress the defense. But today looked like a day to stress the offense because the defense sure had its way today. Uh, I don't know because yeah. red zone is typically – I was going to say. It should be in the favor of the offense. And they did, I wouldn't say exclusively – Red zone work, but I would say 75%, three-quarters of the work was red zone work. Yeah. And whether it was one-on-one, seven-on-seven, or full team, the, the offense struggled quite a bit for a long time. And then toward the end of practice, that's when we saw things kind of start to light up and, and the quarterback start to make some really nice throws. And the, de- the, the uh, uh, receivers were getting open and yeah. getting some separation. I was going to say, too, that um... – Scott, you and I were talking with Hugh Millen quite a bit throughout practice today, and one of the observations he made, which I think is fully astute, and and the kind of observation you would expect a guy who's watched a lot of football and a lot of practices and coached say, it and coached it. it. Yeah. Here's a situation where what did they focus on on Saturday scrimmage? Red zone. They had the red zone lockout. They did a ton of red zone work, and now Monday, like you said, probably seventy to seventy-five percent red zone. That to me tells me that when those guys got to see the film, they were like, yeah, we got a lot of stuff we got to clean up. And so this felt like a redo of a lot of the red zone stuff that they tried to work on uh, during Saturday scrimmage that they felt like, okay, we need a refresher. We need something to make sure that we hone in on the very specific techniques and details to make sure that we're good to go on offense. Because this is this is a sticking point. This offense has not been great in the red zone the last few years, whether it was this particular offense led by John Donovan or the earlier ones with Bush Hamden and Jonathan Smith. It always felt like the red zone at times was a bit of a struggle. When you talk about red zone, everybody wants to have that guy, that go-to guy in the, in the uh, red zone. Does Washington have that guy right now? Um, I think, I think there's some guys who could be that. Um, Kate Otten is one. Um, he won a couple of his uh, one-on-one battles, and the, maybe the throw was off or something like that. He caught one of the touchdowns. But, um, you know, I mean, Quentin Moore could be that guy. He had he had one where he got behind the defense in the, in the end zone, and it looked like it was hard to tell if it was a bad throw. If it well, no, it was a botch. It was off. Yeah. It was off schedule because of the. Yeah. It was a, a bad snap. Yeah. Well, the the one. Well, okay. Anyway, you're talking about the one to Terrell Bynum where he beats the guy. I'm talking about Quentin Moore. No, oh, yeah. When so, um, but anyway, uh, it was still yeah. There there was still some situations where there were guys that were open and the quarterbacks weren't thrown at the right place. You could see Sam Heward a couple times not put it where the receiver thought it was going and, and everything like that. And he would look at Donovan and Donovan would, would kind of motion where he wants him to throw it. So, you know, when, when Heward was in there, I would give him the benefit of the doubt that he is still kind of learning where he needs to throw the ball and things sure. like that. But Patrick O'Brien and, and Dylan Morris both need to be a little bit more on with their, some of their throws and, 
And, uh, um, you know, we'll talk about it in a second, but Dylan Morris had a pretty uh, throw oh, yeah. toward the end of the I was going to say, I was going to add, again, when Hugh and, 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 and you and I were watching this, Scott, um, you know, he, he took note of the completions and incompletions. We were making note of the flags that were being thrown because Jimmy Lake was throwing some flags at some of the DBs, and I think he ended up actually throwing a flag at Kate Otten on the very final one. But they were. This was from the ten yard line into the end zone. Just to set the scene, the offense went three of twenty. The offense went three of twenty in completions from the ten yard line in, and they had three. There was three defensive flags, whether it was holding or DPI, and then there like was there the could one. Have been a couple more too. But yeah, I, I believe there yeah. was, but that you know that's Jimmy. Jimmy's the one that's that's Throwing calling the flags, flags. Yeah, and then there was, and then he threw the one OPI on on um, on Kate Otten. Three of, but three of 20. Even yeah. if you take all those other ones, even if you take the other four out, so it would be three of 16? I mean, it's, that's horrific. Well, well Hugh, Hugh even said that you're expected as an offense to go about 70%. Sure. So that would have been 14 of 20. To, and it's not, and it's not yeah. just on the receivers not getting separation. I mean, because the DBs, first of all, the DBs are playing great right now. I think they're playing as they're, high. They're anticipating high, routes and everything like they're that. They're playing at as high a level uh, right now as any group out there. So the receivers aren't necessarily getting separation on a consistent basis, but the quarterbacks are just not making the throws. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Quentin Moore earlier as a possible you know, go-to guy in the red zone, and uh, he's listed as a tight end, but uh, I think he's a little bit more than that, and he seems to be picking things up. Yeah, yeah, he's – He's looked like a guy who who has started to get get a good feel for what he's going to be doing in this offense and how he's going to be used. Um, what is he know, about six four? Oh no, he's so six, six six. six. Yeah, six, he's yeah. a legit six six and yeah. about two fifty two fifty five somewhere in there. Uh, but he can run. He runs like a receiver. And today, was that who they asked about? Because I was yeah. writing something. Somebody asked uh, Junior Adams if he was going to try and get yeah, him over on. Yeah. And he goes, well, don't tell D- Durham yeah, yeah. that. Don't, don't tell Coach Cato that. I don't, yeah. I don't want him no, to know. He certainly looks the part. I yeah. would say the other guy that I thought in that room that didn't just show up today, but I thought he really showed up Saturday and we talked about him again. Um, so I think the light bulb is starting to really come on for him. The last few practices is Devin Culp. I thought he looked good again. He caught one of those touchdowns from um, Patrick O'Brien in the seven on sevens today. And he was well covered on that one. Too. Yep. And he, you know, making catches in traffic is something he needs to show consistently, something to improve on. But he's starting to do that. On that play to uh, Devin Culp, Hugh said that O'Brien had a, a window of about a plate, uh, a dinner plate, yeah. to throw into. <laughs> yeah. And he threw it perfectly. I mean, it was a perfectly thrown pass. I mean, the DB was right there and even swiped at it and right. he still missed it. Yeah, Devin had a, definitely had a big game on uh, mm-hmm. big practice on Saturday with three touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way that they're using him not only in the pass game, but I like the way they're using him in the run game. Yeah, he's a dynamic athlete. Yes, he is, and he's he. I think he's embraced his role. I don't think he was quite ready to embrace it when it was first brought up to him. But as he's slowly gotten to figure out what he was going to be asked to do, I think that's when he started to figure this out. Is, this he's, is good, he's, gr- he's grown up. Kim, I would say this is a situation where this is the kind of thing you exactly want to see if you're a coach. And I'm not saying just at the tight ends. or I'm talking about at any position. If you see a guy like, for instance, Jack Westover has been limited for whatever reason, can't practice. Well, in the, in the pecking order, we would have had Jack Westover ahead of Devin Kolb going into the spring. At the end of this spring – 
you might say now that Devin Cope might be the second guy behind Kate Otten instead of Jack Westover, and it's as much to do with Westover not playing as it is with Devin Cope taking advantage of his opportunities and running with it and, and doing good things. He's doing the same exact stuff that they were asking Jack Westover to do. It's just that he's a completely... You know, you go from large, and he's a double XL. Well, except for the except for the run part. I mean, they're not asking him to necessarily line up and do the fullback type stuff that we saw from he's, Westover. He's been in the backfield. He has, yeah, but he hasn't asked. I haven't talking about. I haven't seen anybody game. running. I mean, like, to me, when I see running, running from that position, I've seen yeah. like Javon forward, mm -hmm. the walk on. He's he's gotten up to about two forty. I like him. He a looks lot. good, um, but they, you know, that's very situational. So, um, but again, Devin Cope, I think, is taking advantage of his opportunities. I think he's made strides where a guy like Mark Redman has been a little bit more static to me. I think he's, he's shown flashes. There are certainly some moments where Mark Redman, you look at him and go, wow, yeah, I can see a real special talent there. But it just it's not consistent yet. And maybe it won't get consistent until next spring. We talked about the corners playing as well as any position on the field. There were some turnovers today, Scott. Well, I only I remember to, one. I only remember one. And it wasn't one? even the corners. Yeah. It was Daniel Haymuli who That's picked right. off a pass. That's so, right. But, no, but to your point, Kim, yes, they played, they're playing physical football. Um, we didn't even see Trent McDuffie that much. It was more. <laughs> he don't no, throw his side of the no, field. No, again, no, no. But again, when they, run, yeah, when they run, the, when they started running the ones in the 11, first 11 on 11 drill of the day, it was Kyler Gordon It was and it was Mish Powell. It was Michelle Powell. Mm -hmm. Um Michelle Powell is getting a ton of run with the ones right now. He he might be a guy that just might come out and surprise some people. Um, well, last he's year, doing a nice job. He's mm -hmm. he's actually a lot bigger than I remember him. A fall ball, best hands in the room. Yeah, Michelle no, Powell. exactly. But he's bigger than I remember him. Um, and obviously, we didn't see him play all that much in in the in the four games. And the second corners, um, I think, are looking really good too. And James Smith, the freshman. Elijah uh, Jackson, man, yeah. they just they look they just look the part. Now they've technique; they're still got a lot to work on, but they play a physical brand of coverage. And I know you've talked about it in the past. How they're they're, they're every time I see twenty seven out there, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, that's not Keith Taylor. Yeah, you know. And I know Keith it Taylor didn't like wear him, twenty. Though. He didn't yeah. wear twenty seven the last year. couple last three or so. But I was thinking, I still say I was like, twenty seven, man. Who is that? Yeah. That guy looks like Keith Taylor. <laughs> How about Washington able to get a couple of walk-ons like Case and Kitchen and um, um, Powell, um, Michelle Powell? Because yeah. those guys can play. Those guys, I I would wager those guys could play quite a bit at Wazoo, at Oregon State, um, at maybe even maybe even at a school like Arizona or Arizona State. And Washington got gets them as walk-ons and. Um, yeah, those guys. People missed on them. They're talented guys. I thought the best team period. I thought the best team thing today was the battle between yeah, uh, the two Casey Kinchin and, and David Pritchard, the receiver. I mean, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're fine off the field, but man, they got into it a couple times where they were they were you know they were scuffling. It was one of those classic things where they're you know Washington's doing a run play, and then the guys out wide are trying to block or trying to manhandle their guy. So they're trying to dominate them. They're trying to make sure that they know, I'm, I'm the alpha, I'm going to take care of you. And they got into it a couple times where it's slight skirmish, and then there was the one play where Pritchard literally just pancaked him and, laid on and just him. laid on him for like five seconds right in front of the DBs. You know, and they're off the field. You know, they're giving him what for, and they're just – 
bottom line is the play is going 20 yards away from on the other on side, the other of, the side of the field. And these two guys are literally just locked in a, like a battle royale. Yeah. And then, you know, guys are coming in off the sidelines. And it was, um, it was fun because clearly the, it really bumped the energy of, of, the, of but, the practice. But Junior Adams also mentioned that right. he got in trouble because we're at second and 15 or second and whatever it was or they, whatever it is. Yeah. And that, and they were within a in a position to kick a field goal, right? And his penalty takes it to second and thirty or second and twenty five, whatever it was, yeah. And basically made it impossible. And and Jimmy Lake lit up. Uh-huh. Uh, um, it looked like he lit up Jalen McMillan, McMillan yeah. on the sidelines because he came. He said, "You cannot do that." Yeah. So Jimmy threw a flag. Out yeah. of his pocket. Yeah. I didn't know he was carrying him. All of a sudden, Jimmy's throwing a yellow flag. Yeah. yeah. No, he had him. He, just, he was using him. Yeah, just uh, get, people are asking about, um, you know, Bookie, about Radley Hiles. Uh, what are you seeing, Scott? Well, I mean, when he plays, uh, he's always around the ball. I mean, it, he just always seems to be there. He, he looks like Miles Bryant when he's running around doing his thing. Uh, he plays much bigger than his 5'8 listed height. He, I, I, I think he plays a physical brand of football. And what was funny was Kate Otten catches a touchdown pass, and as they're running back, um, Bookie just looks at him and he takes the ball and he says no, and he, and he goes no touchdown. <laughs> it was, and, and you can see the the one thing that you always worry about with transfers. I mean, no matter how great the player, how is he going to fit into the locker room? Is he going to be able to fit in with the culture that we have here and everything? And he's messing with probably arguably the best player on the offense yeah. right now. And that guy, he, you know, and Kate is a pretty, for, for being as good as he is, he's a pretty laid back, mellow guy. Yeah. He's not really a guy who's going to get in your face or get upset about something, but you could tell they were having fun together. And that's one thing I kind of like seeing is because the offense and defense and Hugh made a, Hugh made a gr- good point today when we were talking that with, basketball and baseball you're expected to play offense and defense right but in football you're specialized you're playing offense or you're playing defense you're usually not playing both unless you're charles woodson or something like that right, right. so um he but he was talking but it's so separated when I, I remember playing football when i was in high school and, and the one year i played in college and the uh, and i played offense the defensive guys it's kind of like uh, that uh, remember the Titans part where he goes, "Hey, this is the the defensive table. You don't sit here. Right. You're the off. You're an offensive guy. You go sit over in your other area. It's kind of like that. Not it. It you aren't completely separated, but they kind of do their thing. You do your thing, and then you come together as a family, kind of like a brother and sister, brother brother, you know, situation where you have your own thing, he has his own thing, but when we all come together." we go to war together kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, Peterson and, talked about that kind yeah. of whole part whole where you come mm-hmm. together, you learn it, and then you go apart, you separate, you figure it out by position or by offense, defense, and then you come back yeah. and put it all together. Again. And, but, and that's, that's where – but I like seeing Bookie, a defensive guy. He's got swag. Guy. He's, he's, got, he's, he's definitely got, got the swagger. And he is, he's a guy who's already, I think, becoming a leader in that in that room and um and yeah i I just i i enjoy watching him the way he plays i enjoy it i know you you put together a a battles story Mm -hmm. i gotta think that 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 battle between bookie and uh cameron uh fabi kalanen 
I think that's going to rage on well into the fall. I think we talked about it a little bit on Saturday. I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about the way um, Fabiculon has started to really come play. together and play. Yeah. And the thing about it is they're very, they're very different. different. Yeah. And how they do their things. I mean, they're very different size-wise, just the range, everything they do. But yet, you know, Bookie has that, again, you talk about it, it has that swag. It's, it's, a, it's a unique feature that I think has is, is obviously been very welcome here. Quarterback play, I don't see any changes in the depth chart. It's all the same with Dylan Morris. I think he's definitively the number one. I think Patrick O'Brien is definitively the number two. And Sam Hewer is definitively the number three. I didn't yeah. see anything that would make that. No, even question. no, not at all. Uh, not in my mind. I don't think, but I don't think that'll change. If that ever is going to change, it'll change in fall camp, not, not now. And and it might not change until the season. Starts. Well, I just think that I just think that Dylan Morris and Patrick O'Brien right now, they know who they are. They understand their roles. They know what they need to work on. They know what they need to do in order to raise the level of their game. They've been around. You know, Morris, you know, even though he played four games last year, he's been here now his third year. He understands what's going on. He understands and, what's expected. And the, Sam was in high school three weeks ago. Correct. But the thing is, that's the only thing that's going to change in the pecking order is when the light comes on for Sam. Mm-hmm. When the light comes on for Sam, then it's a whole different game. And I still don't necessarily think that means it's over for those other two guys in front of him. I just think the dynamic is going to definitely change, and the battle will be fully joined by that time. You know, and just keep in mind, you know, I think Sam is struggling a little bit, you know, with the turnovers and just with the offense. But what I'm seeing out of Sam isn't any different than what we saw Jake Browning in his first year here, too. No, the thing I would say about it is that is that he's built for this. He's built for it, whether it's whether it's through adversity or whether everything is golden. His family and the way he was brought up. And, and, and having the, the, not just his, his dad around him who's been through it, but having his uncles who've been through it. He, just, he's born for, he was born for this. He grew up through it. He knows it's not going to always be easy, and he knows he's going to have to fight through stuff. I mean, we talked about it a lot today um, during practice, Scott. He never got touched at Kennedy Catholic. I mean, never got touched. He was playing basically seven on seven in those games. It's it's what he's experiencing right now. It's yeah. like he's almost playing chess on top of football compared to what he was playing at Kennedy, and that's no fault of anybody's. That's just the level of competition, and and they were so uh, they had outmatched everyone they played against. Well, the thing that's interesting about Sam is if you met him and talked to him, he's one of the most polite kids you will ever deal with. Don't mistake that for competitiveness, because he's got that little bit of piss and vinegar in him, you know. And I was talking to Damon about it, and. You know, I just, you know, we, I saw him at a camp and he was lighting some guys up. And I said, he's got some piss and vinegar in him. And Damon goes, yeah, I know. No, so. <laughs> but he, he, he clearly has that, Kim, but it's not going to show itself. No. Yet. He can't let that side of him show because he's too busy learning. He's too busy trying to drink that's the water through the fire hose. That's not his place exactly. on this team it's yet. Not, he, doesn't, yeah. he hasn't earned it. He hasn't, it's not there yet. And it may not be here for quite a while, but... Again, when that light comes on, that's when it's going to start to get he special. He was in high school three weeks ago. Stop and think about that. Well, he, he played his last game, his last high school game, which because it was the COVID year, it's different than any other thing you'd have. But he played his last high school game on a Friday and enrolled at UW on Sunday. Uh, or I'm sorry, on a Saturday um, and enrolled at UW on Sunday. Yeah, so, yeah no, yeah. it's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, we had a chance to talk to uh, Coach Bonifa and uh, Coach Adams. 
post game, uh, you know, Coach Bonifa, you know, he's uh, he's got he's got a lot of guys in his room, and he he also talked about Sam Adams. You know, there's a lot we haven't seen flashes from Sam, but uh, you know, he had some really good things to say about Sam. Yeah, he said he's smart, he's a good athlete, and works hard, and all the just all the superlatives. There were going to be guys. There were yeah. going to be guys that were going to suffer and not get the amount of turns that they should have in a normal season. Because guys like Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant would have in other any other year would have been gone. But this is the biggest roster we've ever seen for, oh, for spring sure. football. And on top of it, because and top, of the COVID, because of the COVID yeah. it's it's. I think I compared it to the 2016 spring roster. It it's just the six guys. Basically, it's it shouldn't be any bigger than it is any other year, except for it's like the five or six guys that decided to stay the extra year. That's the only difference, really. But that said, well, and they have thirteen early enrollees. Too. They have a number of early enrollees yeah. for sure, but and that and that's going to continue to grow. Obviously, you know, as the kids when they start getting into high school early and start understanding that they can't mm-hmm. slack off in ninth mm-hmm. and tenth grade like a lot of guys did five, ten, fifteen years ago. Um, but in talking to KB, I I think in in my opinion, and I don't think it's this is this is not a hot take or anything. His his guys are going to be more affected by the way Jimmy Lake has wanted to run practices practices now than at any other time in, in the Chris Peterson era, for instance. Because when you talked about the running backs in spring football, you might as well have just wrapped them up in bubble wrap and just let them try to run around a little bit. Because those guys were never going to get touched. Because Chris Peterson, everybody, it's well documented. He always talked about they took more punishment than any other player on the team, and it was up to them to keep them healthy and and ready to go because they aren't going to win spring and they got to do all that. Well, Jimmy Lake is like, screw that. I'm going to put these guys in a line of fire. And Keith Keith seems to be really into it. He he likes the fact that he gets to run his guys live a little bit because of the thing is it's turnovers. It's he, cool. It, it's going to be interesting to see how they split this split the carries up because there's just not enough carries to go around enough. for some yeah. of these guys. You know, and will we see any attrition? You know, at the end of spring football. Well, if you think about it, Washington probably wants to run the ball somewhere about 40 times a game, somewhere in that range. And if you split it up, I mean, you're probably only running three or four guys out there at the most. Well, but you talk about attrition. Who would leave? <clears throat> the super seniors. Why would, they, why would they decide to come back all of a sudden to leave after spring? Well, that's let's see where your place is on the depth chart because my gut feeling, I don't know if they're going to leave or not, but, you know, right now, you know, when you look at uh, Richard Newton and you look at uh, Cam Davis, I think those are the two guys that they really would like to see yeah. get the bulk of the carries. Well, I, I think they'd like to see JV on Sunday in there too with the way yeah. he runs the ball. But there's, but there's one thing that's going <clears> to <throat> keep all those guys from, from not doing it that Sean McGrew two and things. Kamari Pleasant have mm-hmm. shown – year in and year out, and they've gotten better at over the years, and that's pass protection. And ball security. Yeah. Well, th- those and are- today, you made a note of it, and I watched it a couple times too. JB on Sunday had some really nice pass pro pickups. Yeah, he lit up Hamuli yeah. on one particular one, but there was another one right before it where he picked up the guy in the hole perfect. What I loved was how everybody goes away from the play, and he just stood there and flexed. Oh, yeah, he just stood there and flexed. Like, I did my job. It's like, yeah. mm. it's like I don't care if they go for a yard or 50. I did yeah. my job. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah Junior, cool. Junior Adams post-practice had a chance to talk about the wide receiver, and uh, sounds like he's really liking what he's seeing out of Sawyer Racanelli. Hard not to. I mean, he has really picked it up. Would you say over the last 
week and three, a half. I'd say I was going to say the last three or four practices. Yeah. But yeah. So let's say week. Last yeah. week he's really picked it up. He's just making a lot more plays. I don't know if it's just because he's getting more opportunities or I'm just looking for it a little bit more. But whenever he's in there, I'm saying to myself, I got to keep an eye on him. How how is he running his routes? Is he getting open? And when the quarterback throws him the ball, is he coming down with it more often than Best not? Best hands in the room? Well, maybe Ter- most Terrell, consistent. Terrell Bynum thinks yeah. he has the best hands in the room. Yeah, maybe most consistent. Let's put it that way. Uh, he just he doesn't have an off day when it comes to catching the ball. I don't know. I, Bynum to me has had has had a really good spring so yeah. far, and I think he's had great hands. And he had arguably the offensive play of the day um, with, with the Morris, pass from yeah. Morris. Uh, was it twenty nine yard touchdown? Yep. Um, it was a great. It was a phenomenal Be- play. Beats uh, Julius Irvin off, off the snap off the off the line, and yeah. Dominic Hampton's a little late coming over, and Dylan Morris put it perfectly. Yeah, right on the. And mark. I mean, Hugh even said. Perfect throw. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't even have a better throw than Just that. getting back to Racanelli real quick, the thing I like about him most is there was a lot of questions whether he would be a linebacker or a wide receiver. You gotta love that wide receiver yeah. with great hands. It's got a little bit of a linebacker yeah. mentality to him. I, I yeah, I wouldn't even I don't even know if it's a linebacker mentality so much as he's just tough. You know, and and you need tough guys at wide receiver. You need you need guys who can be gazelles and run down the field, but you also need those tough guys who can make the catches over the middle. And he is that guy. Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to seeing that. So, uh, before we wind this up, some basketball news yesterday. Uh, Washington, you know, uh, we got a commitment from Emmett Matthews. He's a wing out of, I believe it's Wilson High School down in Tacoma. Six seven, two hundred and ten pounds, and you know, from everybody I've talked to, he's going to be an immediate candidate for Defensive Players of the Year. You know, some people I've talked to, you know, back in West Virginia, said he will be the best player on the court the minute he steps on the court. So, if you're just looking at points and shooting percentages and steals and rebounds, not necessarily going to tell the story of what you're getting from Emmett Matthews. Uh, good pickup for Washington, and he'll have two years of eligibility to go. Well, you spoke with him yesterday, Kim, and I thought one of the real telling parts of that interview that you had with him was his willingness to basically just say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do the things that people don't like to do, whether that means getting down for a loose ball or, um, or really getting into a def- guy defensively. Uh, just, you know, whatever you think that those, you know, those jobs are that aren't the glamour jobs, that aren't the, the, high, the high profile, you know, ones. Like you said, Kim, like it's, you know, he's not going to be out there shooting rainbow threes all day. But he might lock someone up and get a steal, or he might lock someone up and and cause a ball to get thrown away. Um, just the little things that they needed to help them find a way to win games, game making plays. And it sounds like Emmett Matthews understands what it takes to make game winning pl- or game winning plays. Yeah, what's kind of interesting is you take a look at what's going on in basketball recruiting a little bit, and then as well as football recruiting. We're starting to see the pendulum swing a little bit more where a year ago or two years ago, it was kind of the cool thing for the young high school kids thinking that leaving home was maybe the thing to do and create your own path. But when we talked to Emmett Matthews, he talked about the difficulty of COVID and being away from the family and how important it was for him to be back home to family, you know, and Terrell Brown coming back from uh, Arizona to play at Seattle. I know that uh, Dejon Davis, you know, the point guard uh, up 
up here, you know, and he went down to Stanford. He's in the transfer portal, and he's talking to Washington coming back home. Tari Eason out of uh, Federal Way, uh, he was back at Cincinnati, and he's talking about coming home. He's in the transfer portal. So you're starting to see a lot more of this where it's starting to swing a little bit back it's better to be around family, and hopefully we're seeing a little bit of that with JT Tuomalau. You know, he was down at Oregon this past weekend, but I think, uh, you know, he's got a visit scheduled up to Washington coming up soon. Yeah, too. He, he doesn't um, – I don't think he's got his official visit to them planned, but I know that they want to get him on campus for an official. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got a uh, they've got a shot. It's not a great one, but it's a shot. Yeah. And it at this point – that's all you can really ask for considering where things were headed just what about five months ago yeah like i said you know we're starting to see the pendulum swing a little bit back to you know being in seattle being part of you know the quote home team and what's going on in this city so. yeah no it, it, there's no doubt and, and for sure in talking to, to matthews and hearing what he had to you say, can hear it in his voice well the, the covid i mean for sure i mean you know, you talked about Ethan Garbers and him getting homesick because he literally had to be in quarantine for weeks and weeks on end. And now you've got a situation where you see the other thing happening to a local kid and he's having to deal with it in West Virginia where he may get it and his friends and family who were supposed to come and see him can't come. Or maybe they get it and so they can't travel to go see him. It just compounds itself. It's, so this is a direct reflection of, of the the distance compounding with the COVID to create a situation where he's like, I don't want that to ever happen again. I don't want to miss Christmas. It's, it's lonely. I mean, just being in quarantine, he said he caught COVID and he's having to be in quarantine. And, you know, then the whole team's in quarantine. You're not going to class and then you're far away from home. And West Virginia is not exactly like Seattle. And, you know, just no family around. And what, you know, Coach Bob Huggins, he's a great coach, but he's really demanding. And I'm guessing that's not I, – I could just see where that would just weigh on you and coming back home and, you know, having mom cook you meal, you know, and having dad around and brothers and sisters. It's got to be nice. And, you know, when we talk about JT, and I don't want to dive too deep into the weeds, but every time he played a football or a basketball game, there was a ton of family there. Oh, yeah, there's 25, 30 people at every game. And, so You know, it's big, but, you know, it's – Washington still is going to – they're still a long shot to get him. But they have a shot, well, and that's like, all you can ask. And that pendulum, like I said, it's going to be interesting to watch and see if Washington's able to get a couple more of these basketball guys to come home and create the, that atmosphere. Because I'm telling you right now, you know, they all talk to each other. They all talk to each mm -hmm. other. So, anyways. Uh, the basketball community is a little different, though, than the football community. JT's part of the basketball yeah, community. But, yeah. I know. It's getting closer and closer, though, because football now has an outlet in the offseason with the seven-on-sevens and stuff like that, whereas basketball always had AAU. And that always seemed to be a, a big binder for the local kids. But football's starting to make some headway on that, too. Just quickly, Chris, um, last minute, anything else? No, not really. I just think that it'll be good to talk to Jimmy uh, on Wednesday because there are definitely some things that we, we want to catch up with him on. Uh, hopefully he might give us an update on, on Zion. We'll see what happens. But but more, I think I want to get a, a, a recap on what he thought about Saturday's scrimmage and then also this cleanup on Monday because they really have really honed in on the on the red zone stuff the last two days. Scott, any last minute? Not, not a ton. Um, thought the quarterbacks all had their moments today. Not some great throws in other moments. Uh, offense looked much better than I've seen them in the first couple weeks. They looked a lot more in sync. Uh, at times, and um, yeah, I mean, other than that, just plugging away. 
Yeah, just uh, we got notification early this morning, and then football practice, and we didn't see it until late. But uh, I think we're running a couple promotions, Chris. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think everything. You know, for those who aren't subscribers, we've opened up the VIP window. We're giving everything away. Everything of today is. You can view everything on Dogman today. So it's I think like going, it's like going to the candy store. It's like yeah. you can take something of everything I'm today. Sh- I'm sure the guys at the network, if they heard this, yeah, we don't know what's going on on the promotion right now. We'll know in a couple hours when we're free, able to It's free that. VIP day, apparently. So <laughs> there you cool. go. You know, and again, if you want those breaking news alerts as well as daily updates, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. So uh, we're past the halfway point, but it's good to be out here with football especially in good weather. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Vetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.